will never be thirsty. When you read the context, Jesus was saying that to a group of people that had seen him feed 5,000 with just a couple of fish and five loaves of bread. And after he did that, he went up in the hills to pray, and then he left for Capernaum on the other side of the lake. When the people in the morning, they were wondering, where is Jesus? And they found out he'd left and he's over Capernaum. They took off. They ran around the lake going to see him. And when he saw them approaching, he told them, you're not here because you saw a miracle. You're here because of the food. That's why you're here. And he talked to them about the fact that their whole approach was off base. The miracle of feeding the 5,000 was to show who he was. They should have been coming to him for life, but what they were coming for was a free meal. They just thought in terms of the world and what they could get out of Jesus. They weren't thinking about who he is and what they really needed. I want you to think of a time when you were really excited Something happened to you, and it was just filled you with excitement. Maybe a promotion, maybe graduation, maybe the birth of a child, maybe getting married. I don't know what it is. But what was it that somehow you felt like, this is amazing. This is awesome. Some of the kids, you guys think about birthday presents or Christmas presents or something like that, where you just saw it and you were so happy and so excited. Remember that feeling? Remember how you just wanted to go, yeah, and you were so thankful? And you thanked your, your, your parents, or you thanked the people, or whoever. You were just happy. You were excited. That is the way we are to experience our relationship to God. Now, is it always, yeah? No, there are hard times, there are tough times. But you know what? There are times of over flowing gratitude. There are times when we cannot keep that in. When we're just so thankful for who Jesus is and how he meets the needs in our lives. You know, one of the most challenging things, one of the most discouraging things is when someone does not experience their relationship to God. Now, why is that discouraging? It's because of all of the promise. Wow. You walk with God. You have a relationship with God. Something ought to be exciting, but you don't feel that. Wouldn't it be something if it was just, there is no God, but hey, maybe you can have a good luck day or something? See, that wouldn't be as discouraging. You would just kind of take it in stride. It's because of the greatness of the claim, the greatness of the promise, that when we're not connected, it is so discouraging. We find ourselves going through life Looking at Jesus as fire insurance, not someone that we experience and we walk with, but he's fire insurance. In, in case there is a God, in case at the end of time, he will know, hey, at least I was going to church. Now, the thing is, that becomes so faith-killing because we have all of this promise and none of this power. I want to read something, and I want us to think about that as we prepare to take communion. Jesus is the bread of life. We're going to go to Psalm 145, so hang with me on this. 
He's the bread of life. You know what that means? He's the source of life. He's the one that's going to make sure that I not only have enough to eat physically, but that I have a reason to live. I was reading an article today, uh, not today, but a couple days ago, about the high rate of suicide. And it's increasing. It was written by a psychiatrist. And with all of the things saying all this about, you know, the medication, all that, and there's a great time for that, and there's, it's needed. But he said the basic reason is hopelessness. Hope, and you know, we think, well, that's obvious, isn't it? But you know what? It's that disconnect from the Creator. Because when you're disconnected, you're on your own. Jesus is the bread of life. He gives me meaning. He gives me purpose. He gives me significance. He also takes care of my physical needs. I seek first the kingdom, and all of my physical needs are added as well. So I don't have to live a life of worry. Sometimes life goes crazy. But you know what? I believe that he is the bread of life, and by believing, I connect with him. Our lives are a reflection of who we believe. We believe in ourselves as far as able to discern what's best for our lives, or do we believe in Christ? If we really believe there, then all of a sudden there's a connection, and we see it. If we don't believe, God doesn't force that on us because it's no longer our choice. In Psalm 145, here's a challenge I want to give us. Can I write something like this? And let me tell you guys, as I start reading this, we're not going to read the whole psalm. There have been times I couldn't write this. If you were to ask me to describe your relationship with God, I'd tell you all the right things I was doing. I would tell you how I have a strong sense of duty, and, you know, I made a commitment, Jesus is Lord, and here's what I've done, this, that, and the other. But when it came to overflowing with gratitude, that wasn't there. I intellectually knew I ought to be grateful, but I wasn't experiencing that. Something had happened. There was a disconnect. Let me read Psalm 145, part of it, and let's see if we can't connect these as we get ready to take the Lord's Supper. Verse 1, I will exalt you, my God, the King. I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation will commend your works to another. They will tell of your mighty acts. They will speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They will tell of the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. His compassion, he has compassion on all he has made. All you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. They will tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might, so that all men may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures through all generations. 
You go back through some of these things here. What is the psalmist doing? There's an overflow. There's a, oh my gosh, I just have to talk about this. I will praise him every day. What's he going to praise him for? The splendor of his majesty, his wonderful works, his awesome works, his great deeds, his abundant goodness, his righteousness. He's glorious, compassionate, or he's gracious, compassionate, slow to anger, rich in love, good to all. Each one of those things is worthy of that. This is great. But there are times I've read something like this and it didn't come. It didn't come. You know why? I didn't quiet myself and focus on each of these and take time to think, how is he great? What are his wonderful deeds? Splendor of his majesty, what does that mean? And all of a sudden I start thinking about creation. I start seeing the power of God there. When I'm starting to focus on that, when I go back and I think about my life before Christ, and I think what should have happened to me, all of a sudden I start seeing the goodness, the forgiveness, the empowerment. Oftentimes it's difficult to see that when we so want different things in our life that we're not seeking God so much for himself, we just want to see what he can do for us. But when all of a sudden we're just focusing on him, when we're praying, God, I really want to believe, I want you to be the bread of life. Jesus, you give me the reason to live. You are life. One day I'll be with you forever. When I start focusing on that, when I start praying, God, let me see and let me experience that, all of a sudden, I start noticing the goodness of God, the greatness of his deeds. Now, they're evident, but it's just like at times when you're talking with someone, have you ever been in a conversation, but you're not really there? They're mouthing words, you're mouthing words, but if they were to say, what did I just say? You have no idea. How could you do that? Because it's easy for us to engage in action without attention. It's easy for us to do things without focus. It's the same thing here, guys. I want us, during this communion service, I want us to ask ourselves a couple of questions. Do I believe? And I don't want you to ask yourself that question as in, I'm no good, why don't I believe? No, but it's like, do it in the sense of, I want to grow, I want to become. So, do I really believe? Maybe I've just assumed things. Do I really believe that Jesus is the bread of life? Am I depending on him to give me all of the things that I really need? I don't need approval from people, I need approval from God. I don't need to be a certain way so that I'll be secure. I can be secure because I belong to him. I need to experience this and bring a security and confidence to the world rather than look to the world to give me all of that. Do I really believe that? And secondly, what is it about God, about Jesus, that I am truly grateful? Again, don't stop and think, oh my gosh, I've not been grateful. What's wrong with me? Don't go down that road. Just go down the road. Lord, help me to do that. God doesn't force himself on any of us. He created us. He loves us. But what he wants is our heart. And that's why for our children, I don't want them just to grow up, know certain things about God. 
I want them to grow up and know how to connect with God. And they need to see that in all of us. We'll have good times, we'll have bad times, but God is good. Think about his goodness to you. Think about the goodness in your own life. God is right. Think about that, that you know the right way and you know what is right because of him. And God is always present. He's never far from us. All we have to do is reach out and grab hold. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. He said, if you come to him, you'll never be hungry, you'll never be thirsty. That's a claim. If we believe that, our lives will really show that. As we take this communion, the bread represents his body that he gave for us, and as you think about that, here's some goodness things to think about. Jesus came in this world to physically experience the things you and I experience. From tiredness, to temptation to doubt, to temptation to discouragement, all of these things, you may feel like at times, oh my gosh, I'm such a mess. He knows that. He understands that. So when I take this bread, I'm not talking about somebody far off. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm talking about somebody that's walked in my shoes. Somebody that's been there when I've been afraid. He understands that so he can help me out. That's what I'm talking about when I take this. And when I drink that fruit of the vine, I'm talking about a forgiveness of sins. What man thinks of me is not ultimately important. What God thinks of me is of eternal importance, and he's forgiven everything. Man can keep remembering, God forgives everything. And when I take that, that fruit of the vine, that's what I remember. No more embarrassment, no more frustration, no more humiliation. I've been cleansed, I'm forgiven, and I can go on no matter what. So let's pray, let's give thanks for the bread and fruit of the vine, and we will take the communion together. Father, thank you so much for...